Hello ladies and gentlemen I'm Kumara Raghavendra and welcome to another episode of Product Stories This is a podcast where I cover topics relating to product management design technology and business with experts in the industry from across the globe Today's guest is Gretchen Rodriguez who is the head of product for payments at Banco Santander She has spent her professional career creating experiences at a global scale in the domains of e-commerce, digital transformation, and now in fintech. She has been featured as one of the top 15 most influential Latin product leaders by Product School. In today's conversation, we talk about navigating the world of fintech as a product manager in a wide-ranging conversation spanning banking products, neobanks, blockchains, DeFi, and the most effective product practices for these domains. Hey, Gretchen, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. I'm really looking forward to learning more about fintech and the in banking industry in general from you who've been in this area for a while. So great to have you on board. How are you doing today? Thank you, Kumana. I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, reaching out and for inviting me to your podcast. I'm really looking forward to share what I've learned in the last couple of years and um, make a little bit of that uh no comparison but kind of connection with e-commerce that's where i come from uh like you coming from ebay in the last 5 years so uh looking forward to sharing more in our next uh, hour or so absolutely so how, how has the let, let's start with maybe how the transition has been for you from ebay to working in the banking industry what was the what were some of the big challenges that you ran into as you started in the industry and what were some of the key learnings that happened in the initial months Yeah so when I decided to to move uh to the bank it was because I saw the opportunity you know to be part of something bigger happening in terms of the banking changing all of these saying like the bank will never be the same in xyz years <clears throat> so I wanted to to be part of that uh little financial revolution so that was uh, the biggest motivation for me so Of course when I joined there've been good things and things that are more um different or or challenging no we can start probably with that the pace in the bank is a little uh slower no if we compare with e-commerce where on eBay I was shipping fishers all the time I was having my my tech team like behind me asking me questions all the time challenging me challenging me with new use cases asking me to solve these to solve other things uh So that pace was very fast so here is a little different no so it's more about the, the first part of the product development cycle where you have to think about the product think about the different phases build the mvp moving to the path to scale and so on so it's very different in that sense the pace is uh, a little slower but the good part is that i've been able to touch this uh, a part of the development cycle that i had less experience in terms of strategy product strategy the vision the full product market fit uh, from the lean product uh, book like literally how can i uh, implement this and and put a, a solid examples based on my experience so it's been also the opportunity to come kind of uh, take one step back and see things in a different perspective or Uh, I've been working in multiple initiatives at the same time cybersecurity identity uh lending and kind of balancing what is really important what it's not how to work with the region how to to make a product that it's uh going to to boost kind of the proposal that the regions have uh so it's different uh, it's the way of thinking is different it's more on the strategy part but I think it's been the the piece that I was missing in my development no as a product professional so i'm glad for for that opportunity and net net it's been positive and the most important one that it's been a, a stage not to kind of see everything happening in the financial world the inclusion the the power of of some technologies how it can change and shape how we do finance and how we do banking in the future so it's quite exciting in that sense Absolutely it's quite interesting that you mentioned the lean product playbook i've always been curious how this can be these concepts can be utilized in different scenarios and in different industries and it's a great it's something different when you're doing it in the e-commerce space like an ebay or an amazon but when it comes to the banking industry there is a lot more regulation in uh, in terms of what you need to follow which changes your product development life cycle like you said 
as well as there is a complexity of each country having its own sort of regulation. So when you combine these two levels of complexity, how, how do you incorporate some of the processes or learnings from the lean product development? Yes, like no, that, that's exactly because, you know, in the lean methodology, they always talk about going fast and uh, delivering XYZ weeks and uh, very agile. Yes, but the reality, and I was checking someone posted from the product school, they posted something like, if you don't develop your product in three or four weeks, like you are not succeeding. And someone said, yes, unless you are in financial. No? <laughs> so that was for me like, wow, that's pretty um, on the point because there are things like you mentioned, the regulation, like licenses, for instance, that's a completely uh, different world for me. I was not aware of. Uh, the type of licenses that you need in terms of payment, not only for payment transaction, but also if you want to receive versus send. So a lot of uh, different components that you need to, to be aware of. So what uh, we've been doing actually in the last couple of weeks is actually develop the product playbook. So what we did is say, okay, let's take the lean product as a foundation and let's try to, of course, bring the complexities that we need to uh, be aware of like the regulations, licenses, fraud, um, crime, all of these things that are very uh, sensitive no? in this sense. But how can we combine those worlds, the two worlds and do something that is feasible, but at the same time bold, no? like uh, let, let's stretch ourselves and do something that can make us feel proud of, of, of that stretch. No. So that's when we ended up maybe not three weeks for a MVP, but maybe something close to the double, not of 10 times as we as we had before. No. So yes, we took the product lean as a foundation, including some of the phases. Like we tried to also think about um, not only MVP, but also the viable business later and even the flagship, because think that we are thinking in the perspective that we can kind of spin off the bank and do an independent business or go uh, fully profitable. Like we have to even think further. So that's why it's uh, it's quite exciting because you mix uh, the strategy with the long-term, medium-term, the North Star and all of that. So yeah, we've been able to take it as a foundation, include the layers of complexity and, and hope that it makes sense what we're trying to, to achieve in the next uh, years or so. But yeah, it's definitely a different picture, the reality versus what we see in their environments that don't imply uh, the uses, the usage of licenses and so on. Right. So this sort of an experience actually helps you build on the foundations and develop your own sort of frameworks that will be applicable to your, which is a great experience to have in itself. And uh, maybe talking a little bit about uh, how the industry itself is when you're working on building products for a banking industry, right? These are, there are two kinds of banks. One is the newer age neo banks where they don't have physical presence. They didn't have a previous set of customers that they had to cater to something like a Revolute or an N26. And then there are other traditional banks who previously had relationships with uh, customers, had products on offer, and they already have an ongoing business and they need to offer similar uh, experiences in terms of a digital world for the new age customers. How does that transition look like for an existing ba uh, bank in an industry as compared to how a neobank might approach it? Yeah, so that's, uh, that's pretty interesting because um, before joining the bank, I was of course listening about banks like uh, the new banks no, or the challenges as they call it. Let's they call it the Revolut as we were reading a couple of minutes ago that it's on its path to get a 10 billion valuation, which is quite amazing. No? So uh, yes, there is a clear difference. As you mentioned in the traditional banks, uh, it's more about the structure. No? You have the full flesh in terms of back office, middle office, front office, with everything in terms of the branches and the complexity. And of course, uh, the, the type of license is different. You might have a full fledge of the license and therefore you have more um, kind of liabilities and more uh, of the regulators eyes on top of you and so on versus the challengers that are probably in a, a linear scheme if we want to think about. So I think in general, the biggest difference or the path to change is more considering one, just really have the customer 
in mind in the center. I know it sounds like a repetitive topic, but back in the days, I feel like the banks are still with that legacy of, I don't care, just putting the money or, or the fees and, and so on. But now it's more about, okay, I have to offer a beautiful experience, a delighted experience, a transparency. If I'm charging you for this, I have to be sure that I tell you upfront. It's more about what we are hearing more and more of the bank of trust, you know, that it's, it's uh, the secret sauce, I feel like, for the succeed of that new era, you know, for the banking. If you're able to switch and provide trust and transparency uh, upfront, you know, like validate the user, identity user in your data, or probably like yeah, being transparent in terms of the, the fees and the the different uh, costs imply in your transactions or probably being able to offer you uh, more tailored loans because I take care of, uh, or I listen to other signals that you might have that go beyond your credit credit scoring. So how can I be nimble and, and read other signals to understand that the person that has, that it's in front of me, it's a completely unique person and it has its own need and it's almost a personalization that it's needed. So I think the challengers are probably touching that a little faster because they are able to talk in a more uh, casual way. They are able to showcase upfront. They have different models where it's probably charging based on subscription versus charging you for fees. So it's different. You're kind of seeing that the demystification of the, uh, of the banking, no? And I think users love that. So it's more about the traditional banks to see how they switch, but at the same time, how they bring that power that they have. Things like security, cybersecurity, the fraud limitation. So we see when we talk to users that that's the first thing that they say, we love banks because they provide that uh, security. So you have that, if I have that as a foundation and I can include on top the, the, the leanest uh, approach, beautiful ex user experience, different ways of interacting with user and, and personalized experiences, I think that they will have the, the secret sauce to succeed, but it's about time too. I think uh, it's time to, to move on and do things quickly for sure. Yeah. So that's two very interesting points that you brought up. One is around trust and security and the other around ease of experience and the actual experience that the user has in interacting with these products. When I look at it, uh, the traditional banks that have existed, they're doing really well on trust and security because that's the reason they have the customer base that they do. And the people who bank with them, they really trust the relationship that they have and the products that they're using. Whereas the ease of experience, uh, the experience and the ease of use may not be as good as some of the new banks are. And that's where there is a gap that can be addressed. Whereas when you look at the new banks, they're probably doing really good on the ease of experience and the usage aspect of it, but they're yet to build up on the trust aspect of it, which is why they're gonna take time to reach to a larger audience and keep getting customers as they go. Is this uh, something that you see as two different kinds of approaches, one starting with the experience coming towards trust, the other starting with trust and building towards the experience? Where, where do they come together and what point do they become pretty much the same thing? Yes, that's, uh, I love that because I think trust, it, it's, it's a foundation. You have to start from that. So I think the banks have been able to build that with the years. It's almost that worth of uh, a mouth, you know, like people know that, okay, your money is safe. Uh, banks spend a pretty important amount of money in terms of uh, cybersecurity and how to protect users, the customer experience. So I, I love that path in terms of trust. But I, what I also see that it's more meaningful is the user changing, like uh, with the reality that we're living today, even with the COVID. Uh, of course, we were seeing that path anyways, the users becoming more digital, like in, even in uh, emerging countries, just catching up and being able to uh, be banked uh, in a faster pace that it was uh, years ago. So the user is the one that is actually saying, hey, pay attention to me, I want this this way. I want to, to be able to talk uh, in a different, uh, with different uh, ways of uh, connecting, no? I want to, I'm demanding more of this. So I think that trust is the foundation, but definitely the user is saying, I want more of a beautiful experience and, and lean approach and talk to me in a special way. Show me something different, grow with me, no? I think that's the other element that we are seeing more and more in the banks and it's not only 
I'm offering you something and I just forget about you. It's like, how can I keep track of you? You are becoming or you're thriving even more. So I can help you in your next stage of your life. I can see how to help uh, your parents as well. We'll see more of this connection on what it's probably called the kind of the sandwich generation where you have your kids, your parents. How can I be able to offer uh, things that are meaningful for you no? and your family and your, your core um, cycle of, of people that live with you, no? So uh, I think in general, yes, trust, start, but definitely show me more, give me more. And that's what the user is demanding loud and clear today. Right. So talking about give me more, uh, when I think about how I'm introduced to banking products or in general people around that are introduced to banking products, I see this as being different hooks. So the, the hooks can be you introduce them through one product and expose them to others. And that one product can be savings for someone. It can be a credit card for someone else. It can be a loan for a third person. It can be investing in the stock market for another. So each of these are different specific ways a bank can potentially attract a user and then extend their use case to multiple other products, which is either cross-selling or upselling on whatever else the bank may be offering them. The, I, this is where I see traditional banks having a bigger advantage in that they have a huge portfolio in terms of what they can offer to the customers. But at the same time, that uh, variety in offerings can also be a drawback in that it can get confusing for customers. How, when building the experiences, how do you think about this and how do you introduce different touch points, different products at different stages for users? What is the user journey and how, how do you think about it? Yeah, so um, in general, actually, we're seeing more of that here at the bank, like how to simplify, you know, how to, to have a portfolio that is more meaningful instead of like very deep without a lot of differentiation between the products now. So that's one of the key initiatives that we are seeing, uh, at least in the bank now they are doing that. So if you think about product, uh, I see it more in terms of uh, the user, how the user is changing, like I said, like today you might be, I don't know, a single person and tomorrow you want to have your, uh, your first car, but not even your first car, you probably want to refinance the car that you had from the, uh, the past. Like it's more about those key moments where you are as a user, you are changing, no? So I think listening to those signals is very important, but at the same time, there are other trends like mobility, no users moving to another part of the world, working remotely, uh, gig economy, which is becoming one of the bigger uh, forces in general with uh, like in California, 2 million gig workers, which is uh, astonishing number. So how can I listen those signals as well? Immigrants, how can I have an immigrant since they come to the US and learn about the, the different cycles? So I think it's more about you as a person, like the regular let's call it a vertical, and there are some horizontal trends when you have to be aware of the human being changing, the trends, the moves. So uh, I think when you join those two and create kind of the intersection, that's when the magic happens. So definitely there, you see a lot of the, um, the, the nuances happening, for instance, in Latin America, it might be different. We might realize that in Latin America, people are more about uh, P2P or, or sending money, they are probably in that stage or in Mexico, it's more about receiving with the remittance. So how can you still bring those colors? But I think it's more about the user and the trends. And when that intersection happens, that's that's where the, the margin take, takes place. Um, of course, there are some internal stoppers, like, like I said, the licenses or the regulations or how we manage internal relationship between banks. All of these can be challenging, but if we can have elevate ourselves and, and create a, a beautiful uh, track, I think I, I will start with those two components, yep. Definitely makes sense. From a, a development perspective, again, there is a huge amount of competition when it comes to the banking industry, a lot more so maybe than any, any other industry that one could be building in, especially from the number of traditional banks that are available for any user to choose from and add to the mix all the new banks as well as different services that are more targeted like Robinhood maybe. Uh, given this wide variety of competition, how do you think about understanding what the competition is doing? How do you stay on top of where the industry is headed and how the trends are? 
so that that can influence some of the product decisions that you make. Yes, yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's amazing because if you look at the environment today, there are two or three big players. No, like one, like you mentioned, the fintech; those companies that are are probably tackling a specific problem and and creating a business out of it, which is pretty interesting because when you think about fintech, it's not only about let's say uh, the companies that take care, that allows you to put the, the finance together and keep track the the PFM that is called the personal and financial management. It's not only about that. It's even things that are uh, even more deeper or in the back end, like Galileo or or uh, all of these companies that help you to issue cards that are behind bigger companies like Instacart, etc. So when you think about all of that, there is a beautiful. Uh, spectrum that you can get inspired from, no? not only in terms of the technology that they use, but also how quick they can go to market or what is the market that they are tackling. So that's a part that definitely you have to be aware from the fintechs. No? The second big bucket is, of course, the big tech that you cannot ignore. Uh, with the, the, the last um, big thing was um, with Google Pay launching in the P2P and Yes, you might debate like it's perfect, it's not perfect, but it's good to see this because it keeps you on top of what is happening or we see the new issuing of the license for WhatsApp to reignite the efforts in, in Brazil. So what is going to happen there? It's quite exciting no? to see that intersection. So that boldness and that possibility of going beyond the case of eBay, when eBay is played from PayPal, started to manage their own payment. It's quite amazing because you see that uh, there is a beautiful podcast that talk about this, that all the companies are fintech companies. Because at the end, it's like they are doing the end-to-end um, uh, uh, process now for the users. So in the big tech, there is that inspiration in terms of going bold, going fast, and and launch something beautiful. We know in big tech, we know how to do that in the big tech too, and how to be meaningful to the user. So that is the second uh, component that we all have to take a look at. And then the third and four are more about the challenges and the new bankers. So in that, I see more of uh, the traditional bankers, the traditional banking jumping into the challenger and into the, 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 the neo banks. So that boldness too is quite appealing, no? Like how can I uh, probably simplify my offer, package it and launch something like we see in the cases of Marcus, for instance, or other that are moving into that direction, no? So, uh, and in that, in that attempt, I see something that is pretty unique that it's more the personalization. We, we see some of the bank, these banks going into specific target like for women, in the case of La Jefa banking in, New York that it's it's going to to launch very soon like how they are able to just take one piece and just tweak it uh, and launch something that is beautiful because it, it's very targeted and specific so I think in the whole spectrum uh, the the boldness the possibility of being personalized and at the same time that that uh, the the usage or the optimization of technology that we see in fintech those three components are definitely sources of inspiration that I see all the time. And uh, that's where the trends are, not only in technology, but also identifying what your user wants and going fast. And we see that just in the daily days, in the days when you will read news about companies just succeeding and, and thriving. So it's it's quite amazing. It's a very unique moment to, to find inspiration at, and at the same time, as a, as a professional, to decide where you want to go, you know, like where you want to learn, and uh, it's it's pretty unique moment. I think it's of course e-commerce will always be there, but fintech and banking, and that transformation is definitely a huge um, is in huge moment to 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 consider for sure. Right, the aspect of personalization and the targeted small uh, segment products that you mentioned is very interesting because I come across this in terms of personalization when you look at the bigger tech companies. These are mostly from an experience uh, perspective, but you don't really have personalized prices or personalized uh, brands that are targeting you. Although you do in some cases like uh, Zappos was just for shoes, even though it's bought by Amazon and you have uh, different bigger companies owning smaller brands that are targeted at specific use cases. Whereas banks have an even more of a use case to do something like that, given 
how someone in their 20s may have very different needs with a bank as compared to someone who's in their 50s. Do you see a space being there for specific banks to operate multiple brands under their own umbrella, targeting different segments? Or does it make more sense to have singular products under the same umbrella, but personalize more in terms of the experience and the rates that people uh, are provided? Yes, I definitely see that the first part, you know, where uh, maybe, I don't know, that's uh, my own um, opinion, but considering some of these banks that are moving like for freelancers, I, I forgot the name, Simple, I think it's the name I forgot, or Hefa for women or, or Rayo and all of those for immigrants. Like if you are a big bank, probably it makes sense not to start like dropping your 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 assets and your new proposal to to tackle those specific markets and speak with a different tone of voice and and bring the new different colors and experiences and devices like uh, we see not only in terms of devices for instance maybe if you are if if you have a specific portfolio of products you want to probably do your transactions from the desktop. Like you are going to request for a loan. Probably you feel more confident in the desktop versus mobile. Or I don't know, thinking about all of that, thinking about other moments like a mortgage. Like, can I actually build a, a bank only for people that want to buy a house? I don't know. But definitely I see more of that uh, becoming a trend. Like specific com companies, detecting that problem market fit and creating a business out of it instead of trying to shoot all over the different options. So, so yes, I love to see that first bank uh, moving and creating multiple uh, kits, uh, bank kits to, to launch a specific product and portfolio for, for the, the user and create that momentum around the problem market fit. Right. So in the recent times, this has actually been happening pretty much all across the world. The examples that you gave are really pertinent to it. And there are also examples in places like India where there's a recently yeah. recent unicorn, like uh, I think it was Cred, which is primarily targeting at credit card payments and turning that into a channel uh, and a banking relationship with the customers. Given uh, this new entrance of not just uh, new brands and new products being offered, but also bringing new customers onto the banking space with, who were previously unbanked or did not have enough access to the same level of services that they currently do, how do you see the banking industry shaping up in as more of these people come on online and have access to some of these products? Yes. So there is, a, I think, multiple banks are, are around the world. And even here, we have a very important uh, pillar around the inclusion no? and how to focus on low income and unbanked population. So it, I will bring a couple of examples. When we, we think about that, we think about, oh, this person in this part of the world that uh, doesn't have a bank account. But we can also attach that part, which is the fully unbanked description, the, the description of a, an unbanked person to the low income or underbanked too, because we see a huge amount of, uh, of uh, users or households you know, that probably use the bank for the minimum thing because they probably don't have enough, um, I don't know, access or they don't know or they have some digital barriers uh, to, 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 to pass now. So I think it's specifically about the underbank or the unbanked. We see a huge traction in countries like Latin America, and that's uh, we see banks uh, or neo banks, uh, voila, in Argentina, coming or becoming a, a unicorn with a proposal. Come to me, I'll give you a card, I'll give you an identity in a sense, and you can start to thrive and succeed. We see other initiatives in um, like uh, Banco Azteca in Mexico that they focus specifically in people that probably they want the access to their first loan or they want to just exist as a banked person. So it's it's quite appealing because we definitely can see the impact. Like uh, I remember I was having an interview a couple of months ago uh, for a specific product that I'm, I'm trying to launch. and. That woman said, I feel important now because I have a, a debit card. So 
for me that was uh, super appealing because I said I understand what you're saying like you're kind of stepping up and jumping into a new reality that can give you power decision you can feel in the kind of in the driving uh, um, seat no so we see all of that 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 empowering but at the same time uh, if you mix that with the trust and and with the clarity that's where the, the again the magic takes place no so definitely, yes, I see the opportunity of uh, bringing that uh, inclusion of just very simple things. Like I said, products are super digital. It's one of the products that we have in the bank. Just giving the power to, with your mobile phone, you have an app, you have a debit card and a virtual card associated. Boom, that's it. You can pay in the places. You can have the list of your transaction and that's it. You don't have to probably go further uh, if you want to start not only in terms of on bank but also let's say the first generation that is having a bank account as well so that's a part and there are other things that are more complex if you think about today there is around 1 billion people in the world that don't have identity so if i'm able to provide as a bank i can give you that sense of uh existence no like who you are but at the same time i i can say yes this is the person that i i i can certify that you are you so if i mix that with the simple layer of 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 financial pieces and probably simple product like round up your 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 payroll for instance wow there is a big difference because i can see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel the, of the tunnel no so I, I think if the banks, the banks are moving into that direction. We see some of the unicorns happening, some of the uh, beautiful proposal, but it will take more time, but it's great to see that happening. So uh, uh, that's actually the part that excites me the most because uh, I'm seeing, I come from Latin America. I see what is, uh, how important it is for a person in Latin America to, to have the card, to pay, to be able to, to succeed the reality is that if you look around there are probably not all the places you can relay where you can pay with your car but we see kind of the ecosystem uh, growing and increasing maybe i'm able to if i use my car i have a specific rewards in mcdonald's or i can do uh, something else or i can refer a friend and with that uh, i don't know I'll start a little business so uh, i see that happening and that sense of prosper uh in the population it's quite fascinating and that's definitely what keep us should keep us all doing something now for the meaning of of seeing other thriving and succeeding absolutely that's a incredible point on being exciting as well as motivating thing to do to empower these people bring identity yeah. to the while yeah. empowerment like this is at one layer of abstraction it, it's super important and really good to know that the industry is moving towards addressing some of these issues. There's also been improvement in terms of empowerment at a different level of abstraction, which is allowing more retail investors to derive gains from the stock market as well as other publicly traded companies. And this has probably been evidenced by the fact that a lot of new retail investors have started participating in the space over the last one to two years because they have the tools now and it's become simpler to participate as individuals without having a lot of uh, complexity to go through and navigate in the space. And I see this as a different level of uh, empowerment as well. Maybe not the same uh, audience segment that we spoke of earlier, but uh, a different audience segment being empowered in a different way. What do you see the impact of this being longer term as more people become more financially literate, understand how they should think about spending their money or investing their money and what they could do for it and how as you as a product manager would capitalize on this growing financial literacy in your audience? Yes, no, it's definitely a pretty unique moment, no? Like cases uh, like Robinhood or you see other companies like Betterment or even for the trading of the Forex, no? The effects that we see that happening all the time and people being more aware of the options. So definitely, I think what has been removed is that barrier of, of, of uh, intimidation, like I don't know where to start or or I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, to kind of start uh, uh, the first step. So in that case, in that case, I think the biggest difference has been 
and I'm, I have to recognize it's been the social media because I started to interview, we are working in specific initiative for the, uh, for the US. And when we talk to the people, they say, no, in general, the language has been very difficult to understand from the bank. So that's why I've been going to TikTok and I learned from these influencers. And I said like, wow, it's fascinating, no? Like someone is literally demystifying that reality, no? So three things is the, the access to the internet, the, the social media um, boost and the, the influencers. And at the same time, the, the technology, no? Like the readiness in terms of now I'm able to catch up. So you see kind of those three trends kind of co-living in the same place. And that's, that's why we're seeing all of this happening, which is fascinating because not only the literacy will keep increasing, but at the same time, the, the ecosystem, no, the, 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 the demand in terms of give me more security, show me something else, what is the next step? So I think that's definitely uh, positive for all of us. So in terms of as a product manager, how you can do it, well, it, you can think about like where to start and how to do something simple. Like let's say I create a simple product and then on top of that, I can open my API for Forex and allow users to, to do the Forex exchange and all of that. Boom, that's very simple. Maybe I cannot launch this in the US because it's more competitive, but maybe I can launch it in Latin America and people will catch up or maybe I can include a simple feed where I, I bring, I don't know, something from the influencers in TikTok and I say this person is talking at, at noon, there is a webinar uh, this time of the day and just combining a couple of three things, education, the power of someone like you talking, the power of using an API and a platform, which is uh, your mobile simple app. So there are, what it's doing is opening a lot of opportunities. So you can bring, or more, let's think about a salad, no? Like there are all of the ingredients. You can take ingredients and make a salad. And I think that's that's pretty unique. It's a pretty unique moment. You have a lot of uh, things to, to leverage and, and the user is ready to see that the user is learning and it's catching up. So it's just perfect timing to see all of the that growth and that explosion happen, you know? Absolutely. And speaking of the explosion and growth, it, the conversation is not complete if we don't talk about cryptocurrencies, especially <laughs> in the recent uh, IPO of Coinbase as well, which has been widely successful. Uh, that, that's also been uh, retail, that's in, attracted a lot of retail users, yeah. uh, whether they're treating this as investment or just trading speculation, etc. But it's definitely caught the interest of people. And uh, of course, in uh, conceptual, at a conceptual level, this is also challenging what banking and financial institutions do uh, at some level. How do you and how do banks in general treat this as, do they look at this as a threat, as an opportunity, or as a uh, new technology that's something that they can leverage? How would you approach it? Yes, so I think uh, it's been kind of happening, no? all of that in terms of uh, not only with uh, uh, cryptocurrencies or the, the centralized finance, DeFi, all of that, no? it's been kind of happening there. And what I think is that the banks were probably not paying a lot of attention or just pretending that it was not there until all the Libra and thing happened last year or a couple of years with Facebook that was like, whoa, I have to pay attention to this. No, that was kind of a shaky moment. So what I see now, it's uh, that uh, awakening of the, okay, there is something here, where can I start? So it's probably about focusing on specific cases, use cases. Like I'll give you a couple of examples let's say uh, about saving or, or avoid inflation in Latin America, for instance. So I can probably go on and focus on that trading for stable coins. Um, that's an example, or maybe it's about remittance, like how can I help to, for users to, to get that faster and with the lowest uh, uh, fees, et cetera. Maybe it's about paying because we see a lot of, uh, like I said, a big chunk of the professionals moving to other parts of the world or even the workforces, no? Like considering other um, professionals in Latin America or in, the, in other countries, uh, maybe it's an option for me to pay them with uh, uh, the, the cryptocurrencies and so on. Uh, and maybe it's attractive for them as well. Or we can see other cases that can be more complex, no? 
uh, like in the case of remittance, it can be, or, or even the, imagine, I don't know, a, a global wallet where I can actually exchange and have all of that uh, and send money to my family in Venezuela that is probably going through a difficult situation, but at the same time I can use for investment. No? I think that's probably the last case. It's more on the investment or long-term growth or slash speculation. So we see that there are different uh, tracks that you can go. Some are more probably simpler, simple uh, and meaningful and others are more in the long-term or, or the growth for, for that, path to, that path to even bigger revenues, no? if you think about speculation and so on. So I think, yes, the awakening has happening. So it's more about now where can I focus on? And I can definitely see some motion happening. Definitely. We're seeing it here. We're seeing it. I think the biggest uh, piece was uh, with PayPal going all in with everything they're doing now. Uh, PayPal is, is becoming the biggest reference, I think, for finance, not only for banks and fintech, but literally e-commerce and everything. I mean, they are doing an amazing job. Uh, it's, it's, it's impossible to ignore them. So I see them kind of marking that path, uh, that path and saying, here's where we should go. So that creates a lot of intrigue and emotion. So uh, looking forward to seeing what will be happening. But yes, I do see banks just stepping up and saying, okay, let's do this before it's late. So yeah, it's a wave that everybody wants to be in. Definitely, yeah. I think it's easier for banks to not miss out on this than for uh, someone to start something new on it. Because even if the thing, whole thing doesn't work out, it fizzles out in a few years, there's nothing really that the banks lose in terms of trying to participate in it and understand what they can leverage out of it. But if they don't do it at all, then they stand, the downside of it is pretty big if this does, doesn't fizzle out. So in that sense, it makes sense that they do try to invest in this area and uh, figure out how they can participate and how they can leverage yeah. technology. Uh, yes, I think, uh, oh no, sorry, I was just going to say, because I remember, I think probably kind of that secret um, thought for the bank is also like the regulation, like is it regulated or not? It's kind of a great territory. So for the banks, it's probably uh, riskier in the sense, like if I jump and the regulation comes, I can be, uh, bigger target, no? So they can should be there easily. So that's probably why we see that hesitant position. But yeah. once that it's clear out, because that, that will happen naturally, it has to happen. So that's probably kind of the, the transparent uh, barrier that we are seeing. But once that it's clear, the sky is the limit, definitely, yeah. That's a very good point. I hadn't really thought of that, but that makes total sense. Yeah. One of the things when we talk about retail investors is ease of experience, which we've talked about quite a bit, but there's also an aspect of uh, educating the customers about financial products, because as more and more people come, uh, come in contact with these products or encounter these products, they may not really know how best to utilize them or how they work underneath, especially in the newer uh, in investment areas, be it cryptocurrencies, even the stock market or different varieties of investments that they can take on. How would you look at educating the audience to ensure they're understanding what they're doing, but not just presenting solutions to them? It, does that differ from the actual product development process itself? Or do you look at this as something that can be inculcated in the product experience that you share, provide to the users? Yes, I think it's more about using the education as the foundation again no? or the theme the general theme like if i'm probably let's say i'm offering you a loan probably i i should and i think before going into the examples this should be attached to something that i was reading a couple of months ago it's a paper from forrester and it says like it's not only that you should educate but you are also responsible for that the user that has vulnerabilities, no? So I'll give you a couple of examples. See, if I'm giving you a loan, right? Like if I know how much you make, et cetera, uh, isn't it better if I give you a loan, but at the same time I tell you, hey, uh, you should be aiming to buy something in this range because it's the normal, uh, it's, it's a, the comfortable range. If you go beyond that, you are kind of stretching yourself. Like, I don't recommend you to go here or probably I unlock you, the, the, let's say if you are going to buy a car, 
probably I unlock you the, the, the cars, but telling you, hey, if you want this, your responsibility is to put like thousand more on down payment. Like, how can I educate you on that? How can I say, okay, it's not only that you have the money, but be careful with what you're doing, like with your credit score, I should be able to tell you like, what are the consequences, uh, et cetera, no? So that's very important. But even the flip side on the, the vulnerabilities, like, as I said, if I recognize that one of my users probably spending a lot of money in the gaming industry, I should be able to tell in a way or other, like, hey, we're seeing this, is this something specific? Do you want to kind of log your card when you arrive, the, when you get this amount spent or something like that? Of course, each user is, it's um, the, the destiny is, it's its own destiny, but I should be aware of these signals, no? So um, I think that's what we will be seeing more and more, not only educating you, telling you what it is, but also kind of hand-holding you to that first path, no? Or probably talking to you about something as simple, quoting as the compound interest. Like that's something that not everybody knows. But if I tell you, hey, you put this amount of money, like the Schwab, they do that for the retirement. If you put this amount, for the next 20 years of your life, you will have this like very clear visual. Like if you increase 1%, it means that you, it will increase that. So how can I show you with examples? Because if you go a little more on the behavioral economics foundations, no, it's not only about giving you information like, okay, we all know that giving you a lot of information doesn't allow you to decide. It's just the opposite. But if I give you actions, if I just push you a little bit, if I give you that little trigger, it's different, no? So uh, not only give you that, but be responsible of, of what I expose to you. So I think, yeah, we'll see more and more of that. And like I said, behavioral economics, neuroscience, all of these aspects that are becoming more and more on streamlined are definitely stepping out to say, hey, look at things with a different angle, like how our brain works, how we interact. What are the things that we don't like, et cetera. And the education is, is key. It's a key thing for, for all of the products to succeed. And if you do it in a way that doesn't look like um, uh, an extra piece, but more like blended with what you do, it's just the perfect uh, recipe, I think. Right. And linking it back to something that we started the conversation with, which is about trust as being a foundation for banking products. The sort of experience that you mentioned where you're recommending this is the range that is ideal for you and don't look beyond this range can really improve the trust that a customer has in the relationship with the bank because it feels like then that the person or the institution that I'm dealing with is looking out for me and understands me and helps me make the right decision. So it even ties back to the core value proposition that the institutions are going to be offering these users, which is a great way to think about it. Before we yeah. wind up, I know we are just about uh, coming to the end of the conversation. I, yeah. I think it's, uh, your, some of your key uh, opportunities that you see in this area for product managers to get into. And if there are people interested in working in the financial industry, where would you recommend they start? and? What would you recommend they be learning either in terms of about the industry or specific practices that happen? What could be a good entry point for people who are currently not in the industry but want to learn about it? Yeah, so I will divide it in a, a couple of, of uh, layers. Now, the first layer, I will start with the technical part because I, I think that's definitely the most important, like how you get familiarized with uh, APIs, open APIs, how does it work? How we see like companies like uh, um, Plat, for instance, becoming what they, they are today because of the use of these interactions. Huh? So I will start learning about this. The second piece is for on the platform, like open platform, what it means. Uh, so those are concepts that are probably difficult to understand, but you need to kind of take your time to paint and, and get a sense of what it means, translating it into, again, use cases and reality. because. I think what happens sometimes is that if you come with a background or the other, <clears throat> you probably focus on one thing only. And that's where uh, definitely the magic happens when you're able to, to navigate between the two worlds. No, I go here to the technical part, I talk to my team, but guess what? I have to be able to explain to my uh, leadership team what it means, how it's solved. Uh, like again, things like uh, blockchain, 
So what does it mean? Yes, it's the technology, it's great to know, but what does it mean? Does it mean that I can give you this in a, a 0.5% of the time versus this? Uh, what does quantum computing mean? Does it mean that I can solve a bunch of use cases in a, I don't know, a small piece of the time? So I think it's important that technical part, but also uh, just be proud of what we have in terms of uh, user experience. I, you know, this itchy part that we see when we see a beautiful design or not, or I hate this or not, or even when I'm interacting with the products by myself as a user, like, oh, wow, I love this. What it's making me feel like being aware of that moment when you say, wow, why do I love this product? It's literally because these guys offer me this or that. So I will think that, think about that awareness, because if you bring that to the table in terms of banking, et cetera, it's a pretty unique moment. Think about an industry that is probably evolving, but has a big legacy in terms of doing things. So if you are able to just switch things around and bring a different way of, of uh, designing a user experience and all of that, I think you are definitely bringing a huge value that people would appreciate. And I think the third one, it's more about processes and who you are uh, in general. No, it means that, yeah, I come from an agile world. Um, I've been kind of having some challenges to accommodate my way of working to, to the pace that we have here, but how can I tweak things around and give a different sense? So let me create a playbook. Let me think about how I want to, for me and my team to go further, like the processes uh, being agile and, and also be uh, a little curious on how to break the status quo of the things. Uh, don't accept a no as an answer. Like, well, you cannot do this because I don't know, the regulator said that, yes, I understand that, but how about doing this? Like bring that conversation, uh, having of course the compassion of the regulators and all of that, but what else can I bring to the table and, and just kind of break through the, that reality? No? So I think those three are the combinations and the gut feeling, like when you feel like this is not the, the, the good experience, it's because it's not. So talk to your user, and just bring that mindset. I think in, as a product, we always kind of underestimate the power of the conversation. When you have a person in front of you, how much you can learn from them. Now I've been doing a lot of interviews and all of that, and I'm like, wow, I'm learning a lot. I can go back to my table with my leadership team and say, no, it doesn't make sense what you're doing because people in this country do it differently. So bring that and use it as an asset because it's real. The power of the communication, translating, into an action and into plan, it's very powerful. So th those are the pieces that I think we will have to just bring as a uh, tool set, yeah. That's a great way to put it across. I think it's a that itself is a great takeaway from the conversation. But thanks again so much for- the, uh, Thank you. Talk to me about all this. There's so much that I learned about the industry that I didn't know before. And it's been a very insightful conversation. Thanks again. Yes. Same for me. <laughs> and let's keep in touch. Thank uh, you, Guman. <laughs>